0: Last week, we were introduced to Abraham and Sarah, and I said that Abraham and Sarah had a son named Isaac. Isaac went on to have two children, Esau and Jacob, and then Jacob went on to marry two women, and then they had each had handmaidens, and Jacob went on to have 12 sons. And God renamed Jacob to Israel, and then the 12 tribes of Israel are named for Jacob's 12 sons. Now, his favorite was named Joseph, and Joseph was the 11th son. He was the first son of Israel's favorite wife, and he was definitely favored by his father, so much so that he bought him a coat with a lot of different colors in it, something that was rather extravagant. But Joseph was a bit of a twit. He was a bit of a twit with his older brothers. God blessed Joseph with several dreams, several visions that he had, and in his arrogance and in his ignorance, he taunted his older brothers with those dreams and told them that one day all of you are going to bow down to me. Well, now out of jealousy, the brothers had gotten fed up. They had had enough of what Joseph was telling them. So they told their father Israel that Joseph had been killed by a wild animal and instead they sold him into slavery, which brings us to our story this morning. Thank you, Dave. So Potiphar purchased Joseph, bought him as a servant to serve in his household, and over time, Joseph climbed the ranks within the household and became the chief person over all of Potiphar's dealings within the house. Something that we see in this particular passage leans to an overarching motif for the entire Joseph saga in Genesis, and and this theme is, is that the Lord was with him. And whenever an author, especially in the Hebrew Scriptures, repeats something over and over again in a particular section of Scripture, we're supposed to pay attention to that. And four times in the passage that Dave just read, the writer tells us the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with him. That's a theme. That's a motif. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with Joseph while he was in Potiphar's house and made Joseph a very prosperous servant within the house. And then when Joseph lands in jail, it says that the Lord was with him there as well, helping him to find favor with the jailer. In verse 21, it says that the Lord was with Joseph in steadfast love. Other translations will say that he was with Joseph in loyalty or in kindness. The Hebrew word that's used there is one we've looked at before, but it's been a while. It's been a while since we've looked at it. It's the Hebrew word has said." Everybody say has said. Has said? Say it again. Has said." Say it one more time. Has said." This is a Hebrew word that's one of those beautiful, beautiful words that just do not translate into English very well. And so that's why translations will have different words used there. The word has said refers to God's very character. The very nature of God, it is a love that is so steadfast, it is unconditional, it is moored, it is non-moving. It is a love that is so intense and so deep that it changes the very people who are in contact with that love. It is a love that is of God for all creation, for all of us, it is without ceasing. It is a love so intense that we can do nothing to make God stop loving us. That is what this word is referring to, saying that the Lord is with Joseph in God's very character, in God's very nature, in a very abiding, deep love that's just not going to stop, that isn't going to end. And when I read this passage with Joseph and Potiphar's wife, it helps me to see something that that relationship, that love that God has for Joseph, I believe had an impact on Joseph's own character. We no longer see the twit that I talked about before in taunting his brothers, we see something very, very different. And the word that I would use there to describe Joseph with Potiphar and with Potiphar's wife is the word integrity. I see a man of his word. I see a man who says, this is who I am and this is who I'm going to be and this is who who I want to be. And I, I, I attach that word integrity with it. It's a word that I greatly value. I value integrity. When I first was sent to this church, I knew that I needed to be a woman of my word in order to gain your trust. But what I didn't know was that over time, being a woman of my word would have an impact on this community around us. Several times in the years that I've been here, I have said to someone, the church has to be a church of its word. We have to stand by what we say. And I'll give you an example. On Seven Loaves East Pantry Days... I throw a hissy fit if somebody tries to close early. It's supposed to be open until 1030. And if somebody starts packing up early, I say something about it, don't I? Don't I? I I tell them, nope. And the reason being is because the sign out front, the banner out front, says that it's open until 1030, and that banner is sitting on church property. So to me, to be a church of integrity, we have to stand by our word. And if it's sitting on church property and we're going to be open until that time, then we're going to be open until that time. To be a church of our word has an impact on the community. For me to be a woman of my word has an impact in the community. The Lord was with Joseph in steadfast love. We see in that relationship a witness of God's steadfastness in being with Joseph. When I act out of integrity, I give a witness of God's steadfastness in the community When the church acts in integrity, we give a witness for God's steadfastness to this church and in this community. Joseph found himself in a hopeless situation, more than one. First there was the slavery, and then Potiphar's wife. No name is given to this woman. No name is needed. She tries repeatedly to seduce Joseph over and over again and he repeatedly rebuffs it he repeatedly says no no no, i'm not going to do that because of my relationship with my master because of what he has entrusted to me you are not a part of that and mostly because of his righteous relationship with the lord joseph says no i'm not going to do that if he had given in to her he would have lost everything his job and his life and he knew that But what was surprising was when he didn't give in to her, he still lost everything. He landed in jail for two years. She trapped him. We all face a world that is broken and hurting, and a part of that puts us into hopeless situations. Each of us has experienced a no-win situation. Sometimes we we can do everything right. We can be honest. We can be upright. We can have integrity. We can be people of our word and still somebody traps us. And still we get trapped. Sometimes our pain and suffering is not caused by anything that we've done, but by somebody else's wickedness. Somebody else bringing wickedness and pain into our lives. I shared with you several weeks ago that my dad has been scammed. It was two gentlemen by phone claiming to be with Publisher's Clearinghouse, and they scammed him out of $2,000. My dad is an honest man. He's an upright man, and to say that he is a man of his word is an understatement for my father. He is the definition of integrity, and he got trapped. He got scammed. Through no fault of his own, he has endured pain and suffering because of someone else's wickedness. In reality, my brother and I have also had pain and suffering because of someone else's wickedness. But what we see in this saga of Joseph, what we see in this story, is that the Lord was with Joseph in those hopeless situations. The Lord was with Joseph in a no-win situation. The Lord was with Joseph in a situation that caused pain and suffering because of someone else's wickedness, not anything that he had done. So if today you find yourself in a hopeless, no-win situation, or if that describes you recently, lately, know that the Lord is with you. The Lord is with each of us when we are in hopeless, no-win situations, just like the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord is with us always. Always. God was with Joseph to make sure that Joseph was going to prosper. God was with Joseph when he was in prison and he gained favor with the jailer. But there was a whole lot more going on outside. A whole lot more going on outside. By a twist of fate, two of Pharaoh's servants land in the same prison where Joseph is. And they each have dreams. And Joseph interprets those dreams and one of those servants returns to Pharaoh's court. A while later, Pharaoh has a a dream that he cannot understand, nor can any of the sorcerers in Egypt interpret. And then the servant says, oh, wait a minute. I met a dude when I was in prison. He's one of those Hebrew guys. He was able to interpret my dream. Maybe you ought to have a crack with him. So Joseph is brought before Pharaoh, and Joseph interprets the Pharaoh's dream so well that the Pharaoh takes him out of prison and puts him in Pharaoh's court. Once again, over time, Joseph works up through the ranks of the servants until he is the manager of all the economic dealings in the land of Egypt. That's the point to which he was raised. A part of the dream that he interpreted for Pharaoh was that there was a famine coming upon the land. That famine was so intense that it didn't limit itself to Egypt. It went up into the Mediterranean so much, so that it affected Joseph's family. Israel... And his other sons and their families were being affected by this famine. Now recall that Israel thought that Joseph had been killed. And Israel sent his oldest sons to Egypt to purchase provisions to help out the family. And who do they run into? Their brother Joseph. Joseph, from a position of influence and connection, is able to bring all of Israel's family down into Egypt so that they survive the famine and even have a life of plenty in Egypt. God was with Joseph in a hopeless situation in prison, raised him up into a place in Pharaoh's court. The Lord was with Israel's family in a hopeless situation from a famine and brought them to a place of plenty god's presence with joseph brought salvation to a family out of a hopeless situation god's presence with joseph brought salvation to many out of a hopeless situation the ultimate example of an individual bringing salvation to many out of a hopeless situation is the gift of salvation in jesus christ All of us have the hopeless situation of sin. We live in a broken and hurting world and sin in that world creates a chasm between us and God. It's a chasm we can't cross. It's a chasm we can't fix. It's a separation that we can't really do anything about, but God can. And God gave us the gift of Jesus Christ to build a bridge over that chasm to bring us back into a redeemed relationship with our Lord. The ultimate gift of God's presence with us through Jesus Christ brings salvation to many in a hopeless, no-win, sin-riddled situation. Jesus came for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus' salvation is for you. Jesus came for the whole world. That's an awful lot of many being rescued in salvation. The Lord's presence in Jesus brings salvation to many out of a hopeless, no-win, sin-riddled situation. God's presence with you and God's love for you through Jesus Christ brings you your salvation out of a hopeless, no-win, sin-riddled situation. The story of Joseph's life is the story of God's presence with flawed human beings the Lord was with Joseph the Lord was with Joseph with a steadfast unconditional never-ceasing love the Lord was with Joseph out of a love in a hopeless situation through Joseph and the presence of God with Joseph an entire family was brought into salvation into Egypt that salvation led to another salvation of hundreds of thousands of Israelites out of Egypt hundreds of years later. And that salvation for that many led to the salvation for so many in this world through the gift of Jesus Christ. The Lord's presence with Joseph brought salvation to many out of a hopeless situation. The Lord's presence with you in Jesus Christ leads to your salvation out of a hopeless, no-win, sin-riddled situation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.